Well, good morning, church. Let's try that again. Morning, church. Oh, yeah, man. Some enthusiasm there. Hey, real quick before we get into the message, I just want to let you all know one of the best things that can happen in a church is to have rock-solid leadership at the elder level. One of the best things a church can offer to a newer preacher is to have rock-solid leadership at the elder level. And church, OCC, you are blessed to have rock-solid eldership at this church. The guys who serve on that team, give it up for them. Really good guys who love God, love this church. They love you. They are prayerfully committed to you in the church and the kingdom mission. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I'm glad to have Paul on board with that now. Well, friends, do you remember when you actually had to go to the movie theater to see a movie? Like, you know, you'd have to drive to the place, pack up the fam, you go there and like sneak in your own food. I don't pretend you didn't do it. You know, you'd sneak in your candy and soda and you'd go to the movie theater. You remember those days when you had to go there? Remember the day when if you wanted to eat a good meal from a restaurant, you actually had to go to the restaurant, go in the doors, wait to get a seat, get seated and enjoy the food. If you wanted to get buff, you had to go to the gym and actually work out there at a gym on somebody else's weight bench and make sure like you maybe wipe down first because maybe they left their sweat there and it was all gross and you, you know, had to contend with that. Or when you went to work, you actually had to go to a place to go to work. You remember those days? And now it looks a little different. Netflix, Zoom, Grubhub, DoorDash, Amazon, they have changed the game, right? Those and hundreds of other companies have revitalized the way things are, but they have decentralized the way things are. And it's not that we didn't have some of that before. I mean, I think back to when I was a kid in the 80s and the 90s. And, you know, you think of pizza delivery guys and blockbuster video. That there was some decentralization, but you had to wait a little bit longer to get those movies and get the food. But now it just comes right to your house. It just, it comes to your phone. Well, like things have changed a bit. But would you be surprised when you think of this, you don't have to come to us, we'll go to you. When you think of that mindset, would you be surprised to know that the OG, the original originator of that idea was God himself? It was Jesus. I mean, if we look at the temple before God, or sorry, before Jesus' time, like you had to go to a place, to the temple in Jerusalem to get to God. You had to go to this place. I mean, it was the temple in Jerusalem where the religious feasts and festivals were held. That's where sacrifices were made to atone for your sins. That's where forgiveness was offered from the priests. That's where the religious celebrations took place. You had to make your journey to the temple. And it was there in the temple that God's manifest presence was thought to reside. It did reside in the holiest part of the holiest temple, the holy place on earth. And this temple was designed with concentric circles, if you will, not quite circles, more rectangles, but 
Only certain people could get into each closer circle. The, the, the Jews could, could enter closer than the Gentiles. The, the Gentiles, the non-Jews, could only go so far as the outer courts. And then Jewish women could enter uh, the next court, the court of women. But then only pious Jewish men could make it into the temple proper. And then only the high priest could enter into the holiest sections of the temple and the holy of holies. And then only sometimes. There was this different kind of picture at that time with the temple. But Jesus, Jesus changed all that. Instead of us having to go to God, Jesus came to us. Jesus, in his sacrifice, forgave all the sins of all people for all time. It was an all-encompassing sacrifice for us. Giving us direct access to God. No longer barriers between us and God. Now we had direct access to God. Jesus and what God was doing through him changed the game for us forever. When Jesus gave his mission to the early church in Acts 1.8, he was changing the game for us. So, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you might, you, you, you should know, you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem and throughout Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. In Jerusalem, the city where the temple is housed. And then in the surrounding community. And even to the Samarians, those people who you don't really like, they're not quite on board with you, but you're going to go to them. And after that, you're going everywhere. And he sends his church on the move. Notice the progression. Notice the direction of the assignment. Beginning at the temple. No longer you come to Jerusalem. Now from Jerusalem we're sending the message out. No longer you have to come to this geographic location. But now from this geographic location we're moving you forward. We're changing the game. We're sending you out. God moves it from the temple. But he doesn't, he doesn't get rid of the temple. He doesn't dismiss the temple. He doesn't abandon the temple. He transforms the temple. This is the point Paul was trying to make when he wrote to the believers at the church at Corinth. He said, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? And that God's spirit lives in you? What a beautiful thing. What a beautiful truth. And you know there were people in that early church who were like, oh, oh, yeah, I got that. I I know. I'm the temple of the spirit in me. I got it. Maybe. I think sadly, like that's a commentary maybe for some of us here in the church. We, we don't realize the, the beautiful thing God has done for us. That when we surrender our lives and we immerse ourselves into the life of Jesus in baptism, we come alive to God. That his spirit then resides in us. His spirit lives in us, dwells in us. That God in you as you are in Christ. What a beautiful picture of what God is up to, what he's doing in this moment. That you are the temple. And this language would have been unsettling to the audience there in Corinth. Because the Corinthian church that Paul's writing to and he tells them that you are the temple. This was a predominantly non-Jewish group of people. Predominantly Gentile group of people. And there were some Jews there though. And so for the Jews in that, for the Jewish believers, they said, whoa, 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 this temple language, I'm having a hard time grasping that because the temple is holy ground. The temple was a holy place, sacred space. And, and these Gentiles are not holy people. So, I'm, oh man, I'm just having a hard time reconciling that. 
But for the Gentiles, they said, hold on, we're not sure we want to be part of this thing, right? Like they'd have a hard time grasping it because the, the Gentile would know. Like, oh yeah, there's like the, a sign on the door at the temple that says, if you're not a Jew, you don't get to come in. It's like the little kid who makes the sign and puts it on the door. No adults allowed. Mom, dad, you can't come in. Don't come into my room. It's kind of what's going on in the temple there. Oh, Gentiles, you don't get to come in. So the, the Jewish people are saying, man, I don't know, Paul, about this whole, like, we are the temple language. Because I don't... I don't really like that. I don't know that I'm okay with the Gentiles being included. The Gentiles are like, yeah, we don't know that we want to be included because y'all have been exclusive the whole time. And Paul's like, yeah, well, flubber numbers, this. It doesn't matter. You are the temple. Like, that's what he's getting at. He says, it doesn't matter if you want or not. You are the temple. This is the beautiful thing in what God is doing. This beautiful new design. He moves the temple. He doesn't abandon it. He just changes the temple location. Paul expands on this idea when he writes to the believers in the city of Ephesus. A longer passage, stay with me here. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when, in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Now, we know there's a bigger wall that he brought down Right, the, the wall of hostility, it, it, what Jesus did on the cross was he broke down the wall of hostility between us and God. Our rebelliousness was forgiven once for all forever in Jesus. And the hostility that existed between God and us was erased. We're now God's friends, his children, entering into a closeness with God. We have peace with God because of what Jesus has done. He erased the hostility between us. But he also erased the hostility we feel in ourselves, this brokenness in ourselves. He made us right with God. He also made us right with ourselves. Because we all know we have these moments when we're at war within ourselves. The things we don't want to do, we keep doing. The things we want to do, we don't do. And we, we battle this. And he says, no, no, but I give you peace beyond that. This is not about what you do or don't do. It's about what Jesus has done for you. That's just what Jonathan was talking about at communion, right? And so he gave us peace with ourselves, but he also gave us peace with one another. And that includes all the others. And so he says, I've broken down the wall of hostility between you. And he says he did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and its regulations. Jesus made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two different groups. Together, as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility toward each other was put to death. When Jesus died on the cross, the hostility between Jew and Gentile put to death right there with him. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers. And listen to the metaphors. No longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens now along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. And then the metaphor changes. Listen to the new metaphor. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone to this home is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Paul just took that whole time to explain what it looks like that we are his temple. You are the temple of God. His spirit lives in you. What a beautiful thing. Now that word you, it's used both in 
the Corinthian passage, the Ephesian passage. Our English language is a bit lazy. You for us can mean one other person. It can mean a stadium full of people. But in the Greek, the original language of the New Testament, the the you is much more exact. They had a you that was a one, a singular you. They had a one that, or a you that was a few, and they had a you that was many, many. And so this is a plural you. This is a, a plurality of temples, right? That together we make up the temple. And so we might better translate this in our good old Kentucky vernacular, y'all are the temple. Maybe even borrowing from some of our, our Texas friends who, who might say it even better, all y'all are the temple, right? It, Texas gets a shout out today. Check that out. Maybe you got friends over in the East Coast, maybe New Yorkers, right? They say a little different than their use guys. All use guys are the temple of God, right? right? All you, right? All of us. So, so is it true that I am the temple? Yes. Is it true that you are the temple? Yes. You individually, you and you, you online. You are the temple. Yes, you also online are the temple. That's true. It's just not complete. Because while it's true that each one of us is a temple where the Holy Spirit resides, but we kind of do ourselves a disservice when we get into this individualized picture of faith. I have nothing against saying that we have a personal relationship with Jesus. I, I do take issue, and that's all that we say. Because biblically... In scripture, in the New Testament, the personal relationship we have with Jesus is always, always in the context of a community of believers. It's always together with others we have a relationship with him. So yes, are you and you and you and you a temple? Do you each have your individual relationship? Yes, but only also in the context of all of us being the temple of God together. That we collectively are in relation to God with one another. And so this is the picture we get. And the beautiful thing of this is that it means that all of us have a shared purpose together with one another as the temple. God is building us up. He's building his temple. And God knows exactly where he's putting every single brick, every block in the temple that he's constructing. And so this temple goes beyond just Oklahoma Christian Church, including all the other churches and all the other believers all over the world everywhere. But as God has put us together here for this particular part of his temple, God knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly who the blocks are and who he's positioning you next to and who he's positioning next to you. And God's up to something special. See, we're, we're positioned next to others in the temple, building block next to building block for our edification, for our encouragement, for our building up, but also for our refinement, our transformation, so that God can exact some change in us. So he can help us to look, live, love, and lead more like Jesus. And so God has put us next to each other. That means God knows exactly what he's doing when he puts you next to your spouse, that other building block in the temple, for your encouragement, but also they'll change you. Amen to that, right? He knows exactly what he's doing with your children, with your parents, with your family members, with your friends, with your small group. With the other people at church, he's put you in proximity to. Even those people at church. God knows exactly what he's doing as he positions each block in his temple. So church, a bit of a warning for us. May we never, ever dare to pick up the sledgehammer or the chisel and begin working against God's holy temple. Lest we dare 
to devalue another who God has put next to us on purpose for our growth and their good and our good and their growth. May we never speak ill or do ill to another in the temple, but may we encourage and uplift lovingly one another as part of God's holy family, as part of God's holy temple. Now the beauty of what we read in this letter to the Corinthians and the letter to the Ephesians, we see that there is a purpose for gathering, that we are to gather and we gather together large groups like this and small groups during the week and we gather together and that's important. But then we gather, that's just not complete. Like it's good that we gather, but it's not complete that we would gather because he also designed us to scatter, to go out and be his temples throughout the week. So what God is doing in his beautiful, glorious design is, is God has created millions of mobile temples to be on the move. He's putting the temple on the road. Here we go, baby. Like we're, we're going somewhere, right? The temple is a moving temple throughout the week. That we would go, he's sending us out to different places, to different people. Each one of us is a temple on the move. And that's exactly what God is up to there. No longer to say, oh, you got to come to this particular geographic location in Jerusalem to find me. No, now I'm coming to you. I'm scattering my people to go to every man, woman, and child all over the globe so that you can experience my presence through my people. Like that's what God is up to with moving the temple. When he says, you will be my witnesses from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. Notice the direction. The temple is on the move and he's going somewhere through us. What a beautiful privilege that we get to partner with God on that, that he wants to use even people like us. And that he would use a guy like me. Just blows me away. But that's what God is up to. Unfortunately, that's not always how we see the church. On the move. Like if somebody were to ask you, where's your church located? There's a chance you're going to tell them 10801 Faithful Way. If you know the address of this building. More likely, you're probably going to say, oh, my church. Preston Highway. Big building. Greenish glass. Obvious green roof, that's it. Here's the service times, here's the location, that's where you can go to find God. Now, we might not actually say that last part, but that's kind of what we intend with that. And that's not altogether false, it's just not altogether true. Like that's where the church is sometimes. But what we miss in that is that this building's not the church. This building houses the church. This building is not the church. See, I, I think the fuller answer to that is when somebody says, hey, where's your church? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's Tuesday morning. <laughs> Bro, they're all over the place. Like, they're scattered. The church? Oh, it's scattered throughout Bullock County. It's scattered throughout Jefferson County. It goes up in Indiana. It's, man, it's, it's, it's everywhere, man. Our church is all over the place. Our church, oh, they're in office buildings with Humana. They're in cubicles at GE. They're on the assembly line at Ford. They're in classrooms as teachers and students and U of L and in schools all over the place. Man, my church, oh, they're, they're in small businesses and they're, man, some of them retired. So my church probably out on the golf course. Maybe they're sleeping in. Oh, my church is everywhere, buddy. My church is all over the place. Businesses and buildings and restaurants and probably right now somebody at the gas station. My church is everywhere. And when we answer like that, what it demonstrates is that we get that we are the temple. And the church is on the move always. Always. And so what that means is that when you show up at work, 
that we view ourselves as the temple. When you show up in other places, right? Here's Brown. Sometimes the way we view church is like through the old lens, the old system, through life before Jesus. We've just taken a temple and to our detriment, we put a cross over the top. So that's where you go to find God. You go connect with the preacher there. You go connect with the leader there. You, you go there. That's the service times and location and the program. That's where it all happens. And that's not bad. It's just not complete. Like, does the church mean, can you find God here? Yes. Yes. You want to know why you can find God here? Because God's temples have gathered right here. And through the presence of the temple, of the people of God, you will encounter the very presence of God as we gather together to worship and to praise and to learn and to equip and to encourage one another. You'll find God's presence here, baby. But that's not because of the building. The building is just where his people get together. And so it matters. It matters that we get together. But sometimes we see it incompletely. And I want to make sure that you don't mishear me, that you don't misunderstand me on this one. Like getting together is vital. It's important. It's essential that God's people get together. So this large group gathering is important. What we do in this place is sacred. It's special. And we should fight for it. And we should do all that we can to participate in it as often as we can. To, to never just passively look at it. It's like, oh, maybe that's so much. No, like we are to gather together because what God does when we're in the midst of one another is something beautiful and eternal that happens. When our voices join together in harmony for the praise of God, our praise goes higher. It rings louder throughout heaven. It echoes throughout the walls of this world and into the spiritual realm. And it puts the enemy on the run because we can sing louder and better together, church. We have to gather. So may we never give that up. But may we never, may we never see that as it. May we never see that as complete. Because it's not. We gather, but then we scatter out. See, there's this challenge, right? Like sometimes we get, it gets easy to become like church people, right? And church people get this idea of like, like, we get afraid that the world is going to change the church. I mean, we get afraid of what the world's going to do to the church. But kingdom people, Jesus-centered people, temple people, they work their tails off to get the church into the world to go change the world. To like affect change out there. And when we do that, when we're more concerned about changing the world around us, we don't have to worry that the world's going to do anything to change us. We don't have to worry about any of that. See, church people... They think about how to get people into a church, into a building. Kingdom people, temple people, Jesus-focused people work to get the church out into the world. To get the temple on the move into proximity to those who are far from God. So what we do matters. It's vital. We have to gather. But we can't stop there. And so that means that when you're in your cubicle tomorrow, you're not just an office employee. You're a temple. When you're in the classroom tomorrow, you're not just a student or a teacher, you're a temple. When you're on the assembly line, you're not just clocking in, you're a temple. When you're on the golf course tomorrow for you retired ones, you're a temple. That everywhere we go, everything we do, we do through the lens of being God's holy temple 
and messengers of his grace and his goodness to this world. What Jesus was saying there in Acts 1-8, that we will be his witnesses here, there, and everywhere. He was echoing the command he had given to his disciples in the Great Commission. Matthew 28 said, go and make disciples of all nations. And this word go in the original language is a loaded word. Again, our English fails us just a little bit. This go would better be rendered as you go, wherever you go, as you're going. Like there's never a time you are stopped. Like it's wherever you've gone and whenever you go, always on the move. Like you don't get to hit pause. You don't get to stop. You don't get to retire from it. And we would translate that maybe better. Wherever you go, whenever you go, go on mission. Like the mission continues. Don't stop. You don't let up on the pedal. Wherever you go, go on mission for God. So that means you go to school, you're on mission. You go to work, you're on mission. You go to the grocery store, you're on mission. You go to the hardware store, you're on mission. You go to the shoe store, you're on mission. You get gas, you're on mission. You go to the dentist's office, you're on mission. Be careful with that one. Like, get your missioning in before they put all the Novocaine in, because when you're trying to tell people, I mean, like, don't wait for mission until they get, like, the needle in the mouth, right? Because you're going on mission. So, like, continue to go on mission. The bank, the restaurant, the lake, wherever you go, go on mission as his temple, his messenger of goodness and hope. And, friend, here's the beautiful thing. Like, every single one of us is called to this. Not one of us has an out to this, but it's a privilege this is not like, oh, I gotta be obedient to that. This isn't like a weight that we gotta carry. This is a beautiful invitation from God. That God is in the business of changing the world, eradicating poverty and hunger and illiteracy and bringing hope and healing to places. God is in the business of stamping out hopelessness and darkness and bringing light and hope to people. And it wants you to share in that joy. What a beautiful thing. So wherever you go, go on mission. And this isn't like, oh, well, like, like way back in the day, centuries ago, when there was a military campaign, the wealthiest people could put down money and hire somebody else to go in their place. Sometimes I think we as Christians have kind of gotten into that. We, we send somebody in our stead. We send somebody as a missionary or a church leader or a preacher. You go complete mission for me. But we don't get that privilege. We don't get to do that. Like we don't get to delegate this to somebody. We don't get to outsource this to somebody. All of us, the mission is for us. Every single one of us to go on mission with God. To live on mission for God. And so we, we don't get to like put us on the seats of some professional. Because there are no professional people on mission. Like There are those of us whose vocation it is to train and equip the church. But I can't do mission for you. A missionary can't do mission for you. So all of us are called to this and invited to this. And so that means, that means that some of you, if you're really listening to the Spirit, you'll hear the call. For some of you, you'll be called short term or maybe for the long haul to go on mission to people in far off places. Some of you, as the nations continue to come to us in our city, as we continue to have a more and more international city, some of you, if you're listening to his voice, you'll hear the call to go to them as they come towards us. But all of us, church, every single one of us, and, and don't miss this, I want you to hear this. Some are called to far off places, some are called to different kinds of people around us, to the ethnicities around us, but everyone, everyone, it's called to their neighbor. No exception. 
All of us are called to the ones around us. And it's up to us to go to them. Every one of us to the ones around us. So friend, who's waiting for you to bring them the good news? Who's waiting for you to shine light into their darkness? And they might not know they're waiting. You know it, God knows it. They might not know it. I didn't know that I was waiting. I was a punk high school kid. When my buddies finally shared the gospel with me, they told me about Jesus. And I did not know that I was waiting for Jesus until I heard about Jesus from them. And in that moment, I was like, man, this is what I've been longing for. This is what I've been desperate for. Like my life was a train wreck before Jesus. Boys, where were you? I mean, I've been friends with these guys for a while. I was like, why did it take so long? Brothers, what was holding you up? Like I needed this. You saw how I was wrecking my life. Why'd you take so long? So who is it in your circle that needs you to delay no longer? To give some light, to give some hope in their life by introducing them to Jesus. Friend, I got good news for you. If you you say yes to the mission, God's given you everything you need to complete the mission. He's given you his word, which will instruct you in the path of life. It'll introduce you to Jesus more and more and more. It'll give you the words. It'll transform you. It gives you all the equipment you need to share what you need to say to somebody else. He's given you direct access to the Father through prayer. There's no like heavenly call center that you call up and it's somebody with a language that's kind of broke. You don't quite understand. And they're like, oh, just a moment. And apparently in their language, just a moment means the remainder of your day. And you got to wait to get to God. No, like you have direct immediate access to God anytime. He's given you his spirit to live within you. And if you're willing, he will fill you and he will transform you. He will change you. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. He'll protect you. He'll remind you the truth from his word. And he'll equip you. He'll give you the words you need to speak. It also bears fruit in your life. So the people won't just hear the gospel from you. They'll see the gospel in you. They'll see love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. They'll see these things bearing fruit in your life. He's given you his church. Other brothers and sisters to encourage you and pray for you and walk with you and carry your burdens and challenge you. Put the finger in your chest and be like, bro, don't keep doing that. You're messing your life up. Let's go this way instead. He gives you the church to help you, to love you, to encourage you. He's giving you everything you need. So you don't need to worry about whether you got enough to go on mission. You already got it. You just need to be faithful with it. So here's the challenge. Everyone, everywhere... That's pretty big. It's daunting. It's intimidating. That's a lot of ones out there. In fact, that's over three billion ones who have yet to encounter Jesus. It's a pretty big task. Scope seems unmanageable. So, so let's narrow the scope. Friend, you know how you eat an elephant? I don't know why you would eat an elephant. I've never had an elephant. I don't know if it tastes good. I've had an elephant ear at the fair. If the rest of the beast tastes like that, I'm all in. Man, I'm eating the whole thing. But you know how you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You know how you reach everyone? You begin with someone. Every one of us going to someone in our circle. One on one. So church, what would it look like if every one of us, everyone who calls Oklahoma Christian Church their home, let's say 1,000 people roughly, make it a good round number. If if 1,000 people, all of us, pleaded with God every day for the next year 
for just one, each one of us, for just one person in our circle who is far from God. Somebody who we know, but who does not know God. And we plead, we beg with God daily for the one. For the next 365 days, we plead with God for their salvation, for their goodness, for their healing. That they would find hope, that they would come to realize their need for God. And we beg God every day for the next 365 days just for one person. And as we do that, as we pray for them faithfully day in, day out, that we seek to connect with them. That maybe by getting close to us, we can help them get close to God. And so we invite them, not just to church, that's a good thing, but we invite them into our homes. We invite them to go to the game with us. We invite them to come over, watch the game in the basement on the big TV. We invite them to go out to eat. We invite them to to go to the lake. We invite them to just hang out. We invite them to be part of our life and part of our circle and part of our family. And, And as we pray for them and we invite them and we connect with them, we look for the needs that show up in their life. And whenever there's a need, we seek to fill it fully, sacrificially, lovingly, generously. We seek to meet their needs. What would it look like if during the next year, if every one of us who calls this church home, each one of us went to one in our circle and we pray and we invite and we connect and we serve and we sacrifice. And maybe through the next year, what would it look like if every one of us ended up in the water of the baptistry with the one in our circle? As we ask God, God, give me a door, give me a window into their world. God, wreck them for you. Show them your need and give me an open door that I can share with them the hope that I have in you, the reason I follow you, the transformation you've brought to my life, what you've done for me, God, how you've changed me. Wouldn't that be New Testament Christianity? If God's people began baptizing the people in our circles because we have influenced them for Jesus. Man, wouldn't that be beautiful? And I know some of you at this moment, you're kind of pushing against. You're like, well, Fritz, Fitz, man, I, I don't know any non-Christians. My, my circle's like wrapped up in the church. Friend, that's not an excuse. That's an indictment. So here's where you begin. You reorient your schedule. And you get intentional. And you get on mission. And you put yourself in proximity to people who are far from God. So that you can draw near to them. And hopes that they might draw near to him. Friend, you want to make an eternal purpose? You want to have an eternal legacy? If you want to find joy unmatched by anything else in life? If you want to make a difference in the world? Do you want to be a change agent for somebody? You want to make your life count? This is what God made you for. It's what he created you to do. To be close to him and help others do the same. That as you follow Jesus, that you would help others find him and follow him too. Friend, you've been created for this. You've been made for this. You are made for mission. Let's pray. But God, we pray. We pray with gratitude because you are a God who did not shy away from mission and you did not shy away from sacrifice and you did not shy away from the hardship. But you came to us and as you came to us, now you send us out into the world. And God, you you weren't afraid of all that came with that, but you willingly accepted. Even to the point of death, you you were willing to go that far for us. 
So God, I pray that you break us. I pray that you break our hearts for those who are far from you. And God, that you would awaken us to the need around us, that you would awaken us to your call, that you would awaken us to your mission. God, that you would awaken us as your church, as individuals, that you would awaken us in this city, God, that you would awaken us here in this place and begin revival right here, right now, revival in us. God, that you would put just one, just one person on the mind of every person here today, in person or online. And God, that you would give us your courage to go to them and to minister to them. God, that you would give us the boldness to go on mission for you. And God, would you give us the joy of seeing this city, this nation transformed to you, God, just to see the ones come to know you, God. We pray this for your glory. We pray this for your goodness, God. We pray this for the salvation of the ones in our lives. God, we give it to you because you and you alone are due their praise, God. Dark skies.